Those of us millennials who grew up in the American church will likely find this sentiment familiar. We read of the faithlessness of the Israelites, shuddering at their unbelief in the presence of God, and then turn the page to apologetics, which argues for the rationality of creationism over a naturalist origin story for the cosmos. It is not all too unfamiliar to confuse belief with faith in this sense, or at least see them as near synonyms. The consequences play out in our own lives as we struggle to do what is right, even when we know the right thing to do. And it rises to the level of our Western culture with never-ending identity crises, which take the public form in the shape of transgenderism and the decline of masculinity in the church. In order to solve this within our own selves or in our culture, we must understand the relationship between faith, identity, and belief. Starting with belief, the easiest of the three to define, and that's saying something, as philosophers remain all too familiar with the challenges epistemology faces from the onset. The beginning stages of an, of an epistemological argument embody the trope of attempting to clearly define the terms used only to find ourselves perpetually in discussion over what we mean when we say belief. The study of belief and knowledge will ever have its work cut out for it. Intuition can play a role here for the sake of our argument. Belief is simply holding a premise to be true in one's mind. Think about any statement. I am typing on a laptop. The author is trying to lie to me. Labradors are a breed of dog. God is real. The While we may have to do some work to clearly articulate what these premises mean, it is not the same thing as thinking them or believing them. To believe a thing, we have two factors, a statement and our affirm affirmation. To believe that the identity of a boy can be trapped inside the body of a girl is to believe that there is something more essential to a person than their biology, which is one hell of a premise to come from someone who doesn't claim to believe that there is, that there is no God, and we're all the result of some cosmic accident. By identifying our belief in the form of premises, we can then sort them out for contradictions, engaging in the rational process of logic. The idea of an, of an identity crisis is not new to our generation. So let's talk about identity. Although it may take on different forms, Descartes is credited with the phrase, I think, therefore I am, which, as the story goes, came to him whilst undergoing his own weekend activity of questioning the very fabric of reality. In the case of Descartes, his form of identity crisis looked suspiciously similar to what became the film The Matrix, only to replace AI and the simulation with a trickster demon and a reality-masking illusion that affected all of the senses. Not all that different. Descartes began his walk out... Or yeah, Descartes began, began his walk out of his identity crisis by identifying that he, in fact, existed because he could think. But the identity crises of today look a lot more like doubting one's place in the cosmos. The trope of the middle-aged man getting fired or going through a divorce serving as the opening scene to a radical shift from placated employee and bill payer to an, a liberated, self-employed confidence machine is even fading into the 80s and 90s as the suicide rate among men and veterans continues to carry on in a world that appears very happy with using them, then discarding them. 
what it would be like to sit in the boardroom of the VA when they continue or when they come to terms with how much of a driving force their operation is for veterans taking their own lives. The identity crisis of today manifests as truly embedded nihilism and a sense of personal hopelessness that one cannot lift themselves out of even their own foolish situation. It is an identity crisis oscillating between misguided faith and a sense of dread and expected disappointment. The crisis in identity today takes the form of a passionate but hopeless zealot for climate change or women's rights or the Second Amendment. It looks like young men isolating themselves from their churches because an entire generation turned a blind eye as pornography crushed the hearts of men and women. To be specific, when people today are undergoing this experience, they are encountering an all-encompassing depression over what they put their identity in. A lack of purpose or meaning has consumed their worldview. Idols rush in to fill this void, and they can take many forms. The ticker of one's social media accounts, a current political cause or campaign, existentialism, nationalism, or communism, just to name a few. The way out of this state of crisis looks poetic. Signing, uh, let's see, it looks poetic. The starving artist, the high-functioning alcoholic, a stunning recovery through a new career, signing the dotted line to become an airborne ranger. But what veterans experience after the wars are done is not merely a lack of camaraderie to be found in the outside world, but a loss of sense of direction and purpose. Not everyone gets to leave the military into a distinguished new career as a masculinity guru. So faith. When it comes to faith, we are, we are at a crossroads as both individuals and as a culture. The bad news is that the stakes are high. The good news is that it's always been this way. The New Testament talks about f- the faith of Abraham and of Moses as at, one, as at the core of their salvation. It wasn't simply that Abraham believed in the existence of God, which was accredited to, to him as righteousness. No, Faith, mean, faith meant more than simply belief. When Moses went up to the mountain to retrieve the Ten Commandments, he didn't simply return to a people who had intellectually rejected the existence of the Creator God. Instead, they chose to place their hope in their future in golden calves and debauchery. Faith and its lack deal with more than just the intellect. It remains distinct from works. Faith without works is dead. And it has consequences. Faith, as determined by godless heathens, has been mocked for being something like belief absent evidence. But that comes from a naturalistic worldview to begin with and thus doesn't deserve to act as a foundation for our lives. When we think of faith, we think of deliberate action, a sense of submission to a force greater than oneself and acknowledgement through orientation towards that thing. Faith is the solution to the identity crisis. Even though our sin nature will try to fight against it, we will likely spend the remainder of our lives having to put that very doubt to death, the kind of doubt which creeps in the corners, telling you that the rules don't exactly apply to you or that, or that you've sinned so greatly that even Christ's death and resurrection is not enough. Faithlessness is placed is placing more of one's identity in their hidden pornography addiction than in the redeeming power of the gospel. Faithlessness is knowing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, 
but hope but holding in reserve an embellishment of hedonism in the event that you don't get the outcome you wanted in the next election. So when we think of faith, we ought think of how we are going to submit this or that element of our lives to God. When we think of faith, we ought think of the practice of deliberately placing our hope for the future in God, not in politics or business or clout, but in God. We we are choosing to trust that the source of truth remains consistent with his creation. We are choosing to be steadfast in remembering that God cares for his creation despite the hellish social landscape of America in the current year. We are trusting that his word is correct when it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it, remembering that believing that God is sovereign includes over our loved ones as well. For those of us who grew up in the 90s, we were raised in an environment that was bringing or that was being driven by the new atheist movement. So much of how we saw the world was consumed by arguments over creation and evolution that we began to allow it to affect our worldview on what sits at the core of the gospel. Hope was reduced to a feeling and faith was made the enemy of reason. But those days are behind us now. The worldview that supposes that we are nothing but chemicals has produced its natural outcome, the identity crisis. A new zeitgeist, a new generation-defining worldview is either upon us or looming around the corner. And if we try to face it with the mentality that we can simply out-argue it with facts and logic, we are setting up ourselves for disaster. The identity crisis of today is the natural result of the things that we believed and the, way is, and the way out is to place your faith in something. Let us not be foolish and assume that we or our fellow man will choose to put their faith in God when government or utopia has always been an option. So that is a section of writing, and it is a piece called How We Think About Faith, and I wanted to um, present that to you because of where we are at in the timeline. I think I'm stealing that line from somebody else, but let it be. And I wanted to share that with you because we had, uh, because of a, because of just of the time that we live. It is it is the time that we are approaching. There will be many things that will tempt us and trying to pull us away from that which is right and true and good. And I think one of the great downfalls or shortcomings of the prior years has been a sort of being led along by certain axioms. And what I think where I believe that we are at in the timeline is that as the new atheist movement continues to collapse and people start looking for meaning, they will find and seek after meaning in things that may be true or things that may destroy them. So that's just a warning. The, um, it's not a surprise, you know, when we were growing up, well, let me put it this way. When while I was growing up and while we were watching the war, the global war on terror take place, uh, people would stumble in in surprise, asking, "How could somebody convince somebody else to be a suicide bomber?" And the answer is actually pretty clear. If you look at the absolute void and meaninglessness that the West provides, committing oneself to at least one fatal act of belief comes with a sense of redemption from the present. And that sounds a little more complicated than it needed to be. And, r and r rather, 
Um, and when faced with the emptiness that comes from Western culture, no wonder people would decide that a suicide bomber was a, a, a viable way to go. Of course, you could pick on certain people, but we, we wouldn't want to glorify it. And so where we're at in our timeline, where I believe that we are at right now, is we are in the, that, that season of history where the natural middle is beginning to disappear. It doesn't mean apocalypsism. It doesn't mean that the end is nigh. It's not about whether or not tomorrow fire will rain from the sky, but rather it's about how for the last hundred years we've had a sense of, it's not even peace, but relative simpleness, I guess. A relative, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Comfort with the idea of having no belief system at all and that time is coming to a pass and something is rushing in to fill the void left by that worldview. So that is where we're at, and that is where this episode is going to close. And that is where those of us, uh, this episode was recorded live on uh, on a Twitter live, not, not a Twitter, an Instagram live, but it was all, it'll also be published for your edification. So if you wish to support the show and you want to support us here at Redacted, you can head over to redactedllc.com and jump into the last days of our, or I don't even know if the last days, but jump in on the pre-order because that's going to have to close up soon. We just needed to reach a, a certain minimum number. And I know that the economy is hard for quite a few people. And so anything that you do, we appreciate. But if you want to support the channel another way, you can head over to redactedculture.locals.com and support us through that channel as well. That being the case, though, we're going to close off here. And I want to thank you for your time and thank you for supporting us and thank you for joining into the conversation. And with if it's going to be any form of encouragement, um, as much as we say to each other, reach out, don't go out alone, we oftentimes say things like, we, we, we oftentimes don't do it. And, and I want to encourage you is, you know, so we say reach out to each other. We say we're all right, and we're not. So reach out and go and, and, and remember it's better to be vulnerable. Well, not vulnerable in the way that the, the, you know, the world wants to portray it, but that, that, that moment of vulnerability will be required for you to join the communities that you want to be a part of. And if you try to hold out on that, then, well, that might not, that doesn't end well. It turns into a spiraling madness of, self-contradictions. So that being the case, um, your faith is what you put your identity in. They have a lot of it. They have, they have an extreme tie. This is, should not come as a surprise to some. But in closing, we will talk to you later. We'll see you soon. And uh, go forth and conquer. <laughs>